Well, again, we are glad each and every one of you is here with us today as we're continuing our teaching series called Practice Makes Progress. Let's say that out loud together. Practice makes progress. And really what we're doing is we're taking that phrase that's often stated that practice makes perfect. And we're saying, well, actually, instead of making perfection the aim, how about we make progress the aim? How about we make progress the aim in our life with Jesus as we seek to live an integrated life with Jesus. And as we've said throughout this series, we've mentioned a couple things. First, we've said this when we think about the idea of the pursuit of perfection, that it often leads to us being paralyzed, pulverized, or prideful. And one of those responses tend to be the way in which we think about the idea of perfection. So oftentimes we don't even know where to start. We get so overwhelmed with that pursuit, with that chase. We get pulverized because we're like, hey, you know what? I'll just be an ambitious achiever. I can knock down any wall, any door in my way. But then inevitably, we get crushed often by the weight. Or we become prideful and we think we're the standard all of a sudden. And we know what it means to truly be perfect. And as we've said throughout the series, none of us have ever hit perfection, right? We, we know that. We know that to be true. But what we want to do is we want to get to what the scripture says when it comes to this idea of perfect. Because the word perfect, when we think about that word, when the Bible uses it, it really speaks to our maturing. In other words, to make progress to becoming like who? Like who? Like who? You never can go wrong saying Jesus at a church, right? I mean, you're, you're in good, you're, you're on the right track when we're, when we're talking about Jesus, right? But what we're saying is, hey, we want to make progress with becoming like Jesus, who he was, what he did, what he was about. We want to make that the priority of our lives. And all throughout scripture, there's reference after reference about being mature, becoming mature in him. And it's not limited to what I know. It's about more, more so about who I'm becoming and how that's changing me from the inside out. We see that in Colossians 1. We see this in James 1. We saw that in even one of the readings that we're doing for the 40 days of prayer and fasting, that in, in 2 Corinthians 13, it talks about being made mature, that we would grow, that Paul worked to that end. He prayed to that end. He wanted that for the people of Corinth. And so our life aim, our goal in Jesus as we seek to live an integrated life in him is to make progress and maturing, to take on who he is, what he has for us. And again, we're lifting up Jesus because it's not in our own power, in our own might that we're seeking to do this. We're looking at the finished work of Jesus on our behalf and we're running the race that he has set out for us. Because again, we've said throughout it that he's the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's the one that has set this into motion and it's through him that we're responding. We're joining him in what it is that he has for us. And so as we said that we want to live an integrated life, I just want to remind you the areas of focus that we're talking about. Because oftentimes, if we're not careful, we will hear this idea of making progress in Jesus and limit it to one of these areas, mainly the spiritual category. We'll say, hey, to come after Jesus, it's only a spiritual endeavor. And I would just make the argument that our whole life is actually meant to be viewed from a spiritual perspective but oftentimes, because we live in a compartmentalized way of life, we never experience the impact and power for our whole being. But he desires for us to make progress spiritually in our mental health, emotional health, financial, 
area of our life, physical, relational. He wants for us to experience all that he has for us in these areas. He wants us to make progress. And so next week, we're going to start talking about the mental health aspect of it. We'll have a mental health specialist with us, uh, Tom Miller. He's going to be helping us as we think through that. He's a co-founder of Safe Place Ministry. He's got a great insights and heart towards this area as well. Sorry, I'm getting choked up talking about it. That's how, <laughs> that's how excited I am about it. So as we think about <clears throat> this idea of area of focus and we focus on this idea of all of this, all that we're looking at here, we've been focusing on the spiritual part of it, which what we did is we started by looking at the life of Jesus when he came into the public arena. And we saw him get baptized. And as he was baptized, it was said, this is my son who I love and I'm well pleased with. And we see him dancing with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, like he had done before all time began, right? It had always been, they had always been together. And now when he took on human flesh, we see it with, when he took on a bodily flesh, we see that, again, dance happening. And then from that, he's led by the Spirit. And as he's led by the Spirit, in the midst of that, as he's led by the Spirit, We know that he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. And this was preparation for a great battle that he would experience. And so last week we talked about prayer and fasting. The week before that we talked about committing ourselves to the practice of knowing our story and the the great story of God as as, as well as, if we needed to, to take the step of baptism. As we think about that, if you are a follower of Jesus and haven't taken that step, thank you. Let's give it up for Mr. Matt, helping me out here. I get so excited about talking about this stuff that I lose my voice. So so as we think about that, we've talked about those practices that we could then walk into. And that leads us to what we're going to see happen in the life of Jesus this week. As we consider, again, how it is that we're to encounter all that he has for us in this arena. But before we jump into that passage, what I want us to think about just for a moment, I want us to think about soap, all right? I want us to think about soap. And everybody's got their their soap of choice, right? Some of us are like, I'm more into Dove, uh, Irish Spring, Suave. I mean, you've got some fancy soaps out there. This is the soap I'm actually using these days. Everyman Jack, thank you, Amy Velarde, for hooking me up with that. Smells very delightful, very good, ensures that I'm clean. At least I think I'm clean or smell clean in the, in the midst of that. But I want you to think with me about soap for a minute. And then I want you to think with me about the following. And here's the first part of it. What does soap do? It kills bacteria. Very good. Very good. What, what else? What else? It smells good. So it, it helps you not to smell stinky, right? Right? That's good. What else? What else? Anything? Bubbles, right? It makes bubbles. That's right. That's good. I like that. That's true. That's true. And so as you think about soap, there's this power that it possesses to take on bacteria, uh, stinky smells, right? It allows you to smell smell good, smell better, smell fresh, smell clean. Whenever I'm I'm smelling bad and it's not smelling good, Amy quickly tells me, you smell ripe, it's time to go take a shower, right? Like, that's, that's, that's a... That's a, that's a, a 20-year marriage go for you, right? She says, hey, you need to go take a shower. Please, please do that. Yeah, I, can, I can smell that stench coming off you. So here's the next question. How are you to use soap? 
What's that? Topically. Very good, right? That's good, right? That's a good point. But are you just to like put soap on? What do you need to put on first? Water, right? You need water and you need it to like get all over your body and you, you got to lather up, right? You got to make sure it covers you. And so I want you to think about this for a moment. I want you to think about this for a moment because what we're going to talk about today, really, I want to help you to have a practice when it comes to entering in to the realm of scripture. Because I think some of us, when we talk about the Bible and encountering Jesus and all that he has for us in this scripture, we have a difficult time knowing where to start or to begin. We sometimes get really, really overwhelmed by it. We get overwhelmed, we get paralyzed, we're not sure what to do with it. So as we think about that idea of being bathed in the water of the word, as we think about soaking it all in, I want to give you this tool, soap, soap, all right? I told you we were going to go somewhere with that soap talk, right? But he, here's what that stands for, scripture, observe, apply, pray. Let's say that out loud together, scripture, observe, apply, pray, okay? And so as we think about that, I want to give you what each of these mean. Here's the first part, scripture, read a short Bible passage out loud and or write it out. So that's the first part, right? We look at the scripture, we read it, read it out loud, maybe we write it out. These are some of the ways that we can do this. And so I want us to start with this idea again that we want to enter into looking at the scripture. And so what we've done throughout this series is we've created a tool for these 40 days of prayer and fasting to help you actually do that, to, to have a passage to look at. So the first part is scripture, the next part is observation. What do you notice about the verse? What do you think the main message is? What verses, uh, words, or ideas jump out to you? So again, you're observing. You're, you're reading it, and then you're observing it. You're like saying, okay, so what does this actually say? What's the main message here? What, what verses or, or words or ideas jump out to you? All right, so these are two parts of it. And then we want application, because we're not just to be readers of the word, but doers of the word. And maybe if you didn't know that, I'm here for you, all right? I'm here for you. We, we want to make sure we don't just read and know information. We want that information to lead to transformation. And that's seen through our application of the word. So ask God how he wants you to apply the verse to your own life. How does he want you to apply it? How would he have you to put into practice what you're reading and observing? And then the last part is prayer. Pray for yourself and or for others. Again, we want to have this as a tool. And you may have your own tool, and that's fine. But what I don't want to do is be the guy that says, hey, read the Bible. And you're like, I don't even know how to get started. <laughs> and so I want to make sure practically I'm giving you some practices. So scripture observation, application, prayer. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. Let's say that out loud together. Again, scripture, observation, application, prayer. Because one of the things you'll notice about the life of Jesus as he walked the earth is that scripture and holding on to scripture was a deep part of his own rhythms and practices. In fact, one of the things you'll notice again and again is that many instances, we'll see one today, that scripture was on the tip of his tongue 
It was on his lips at many points, whether he was talking to religious leaders, whether he was hanging on the cross, he kept quoting scripture again and again and again. In other words, it was so in the depths of who he is, the reservoir of who he is, that it just spilled out of who he was. Does that make sense? And we're going to see that take place today. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open up with me. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4. And as we read these verses, what I want us to do is, again, we're going to practice what we talked about. We're going to look at the scripture here. We're going to observe. We're going to apply. And then we are going to look and think about what we can pray for and who we can pray for in the midst of it. All right, listen to what it says here. Starting in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was, what's the word here? He was hungry, right? The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Tell these stones to become bread. And and you got to know that the temptation starts with his identity. If you are the Son of God. If you are the Beloved. If you are the Son whom he loves and is well pleased with, do this. Turn this stone. Turn this stone into bread. And as we think about that in our own life, it's important that we always stay rooted and grounded in our identity in Jesus. What he says of us and has for us. But Jesus answered, it is written. Say that with me. It is written. It is written. Man shall not live, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And in case you're wondering, he's quoting an Old Testament passage found in Deuteronomy. He is saying, it is written. Here's the truth of the matter. I I understand who I am. I know who I am. I know why I'm fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. I know I'm preparing myself for this moment, for this battle with you. And unlike the first Adam, I'm the second Adam that's going to take on the great tempter head to head. But the way I will do it is not in my own power, in my own might, but by the walking closely with what my heavenly father says of me, by the power of the spirit and by what the scripture says. And I think this is key. So Jesus, the way he fights, he fights the tempter, the liar, our great enemy with the truth of scripture. So as we think about that, as we think about that, so that's the scripture. Here's a couple things for us to observe. Temptation one for Jesus. Feed the flesh and starve the spirit. Feed the flesh and starve the spirit. This is what the tempter was getting at Jesus. First of all, to question his own identity, to question God the Father's heart towards him and for him, but then to feed the flesh to feed the flesh. Hey, whatever desire I have fleshly speaking. And this is not to say that Jesus was anti-carbs. That's not what this is talking about. I know we got some low-carb people in the house, right? Yeah, I get it. I get it. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, hey, for this specific purpose, I'm setting aside this thing, this food, to feed the spirit, to feed and nourish this part of myself to use this time, these, these hunger pains, to deepen my prayer time, my communion with heaven, my Heavenly Father, 
and with the Holy Spirit. And so as we think about this, this is temptation number one. Again, feed the flesh and starve the spirit. And here's the next part of this. The tempter tempts us with half-truths. All throughout this, you're going to see him bring half-truths. He says something like this. If you are the son of God, tell this stone to turn into bread. In other words, hey, you could do that, right? That's within your power and ability to do so. But in telling half-truths, they then become lies. In case you didn't know that, half-truths are still lies, even if they have some truth in them. And so what Jesus does is he knows what's going on here. As clever as he is, this temp- the tempter, the great enemy that Adam and Eve had to experience and, and failed to defeat, Jesus understands what's going on in this moment, how the tempter, again, tempts us with these half-truths. And we're going to see that throughout this passage. But that brings us to this here. And I want you to think about this in your own life because this is the application. Where are you tempted to feed the flesh instead of the spirit? Where right now are you tempted to feed the flesh instead of the spirit? What area in your life are you saying, hey, this is more important to me than what God has for me This is more important to me than who God is and what he says of me. What area of your life, and another way to look at this, is off limits to God? What area of your life are you like, hey, you can have this area, but not this area, right? You're hiding it. Like he doesn't see it, but he does, right? What compartment are you compartmentalizing in your life to say, hey, you can have this side of it, but not this side? Where is that in your life? Where are you, again, tempted to feed the flesh instead of the spirit? Because we live in a day and age where it's so easy to just constantly, whether it's through content that we consume, whether it's food that we eat, whether it's drinks that we drink, we can always feed the flesh, but in turn, at times, and I'm not saying all that stuff is bad, we can starve the spirit. And we don't want to starve the Spirit. We need the Spirit's power in our lives. I don't know about you, but this week I needed the Holy Spirit, big time. I had one of those weeks. I needed him. But if I keep feeding the flesh, (laughs) feeding the flesh instead of starving the flesh and feeding on the Spirit and what the Spirit has for me, I can't allow him to do what he does, which is to be my advocate, the comforter, to minister to me, to show me what he has for me. Again, where are you tempted to feed the flesh instead of the spirit? And so as we think about this, I want us to, to ask also, what verses do you, do you have within you? Do you have within you to confront the lies with the truth? What are those, those verses? What verses in the reservoir of who you are do you have to be able to say, it is written? You're coming with me, these half-truths, but it is written. Do you have a reservoir where you're meditating on Scripture day and night, where it's written on your heart? And you know, the people I respect the most, the people who are ahead of me, these are the people like my my good friend Rich McDaniel. He's he's a, a wise, wise man. And I respect him for many reasons. I respect him mainly, firstly, because of the way that I see how he's impacted his son, and his grandchildren. So I see his life. But the other part is how I see him 
growing, even as a grandfather, in his walk with Jesus. And one of the things he talks about to me again and again is to make sure scripture goes from your head to your heart. It's meant to be written on our hearts. And so I want you to think with me for a moment, what verses do you have written on your heart? What are those passages that are there? Because I know for myself, when I'm in the middle of the battle, I need to catch, catch the, the truth in the midst of the lies that are being thrown my way. When everything around me is spinning, and when it's foggy like it was Thursday night, right? You guys remember that fog? It was like, I can't see, where am I? Like, I almost turned into the wrong house Thursday night after community group, literally. I was like, well, that's not my driveway. That's not my driveway. I just couldn't see. I couldn't see. And you know, life is often foggy. And we need the scripture to be the light to our path so that we can see through the fog. And so I want you to think about that. I want you to think about the people in your life. And maybe it's you, as you prayerful, prayerfully consider, who are the people in your life who are maybe tempted to feed the flesh and starve the spirit? Who are some people that come to mind? Maybe they're in the middle of a spiritual battle. Maybe there's a great temptation right now. Maybe, maybe for you, as you pray for them, there are things that come to your mind. Maybe you're tempted to reach out to that ex-girlfriend, that ex-boyfriend, even though you're married and you have somebody else in your life. Maybe for you, you're tempted to look at that thing and maybe that thing is to objectify another person and objectifying not just their body, but also objectifying them by comparing yourself to them. As social media has a lot of great pluses, but that's one of its negatives, is we compare ourselves to others and even where we were versus where God has us. Where is it that you're tempted? And, and may we be people who are prayerful about our own spirits before God in our own lives, but also for the people around us. So I want to take a moment, just for a second, all right? We're going to do something a little different because I said we're going to get the soap on us, right? We got to lather up, right? We got to lather up. And I want you to take a moment, and I just want you to bow your head, all right? We're going to pray just for a moment. And I want you to think, hey, where am I tempted right now? Where am I tempted to feed the flesh and starve the spirit? Where am I tempted? Who in my life right now do I know is tempted? Who in my life do I know who's going through it right now? And I want us to, in just the quiet of this moment, just to pray for ourselves before God and to pray for that person that comes to mind. That we would pray that they wouldn't feed the flesh but would feed the Spirit. Jesus, we thank you that you give us victory in the midst of temptation. Thank you, Jesus, that you told us to pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. Lord, right now, I want to pray for us who are tempted right now to go away from your ways and what you have for us in a variety of places and spaces. I want to think about the friends and family members that come to mind who are struggling. Right now, I pray that they would experience your supernatural power in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're getting that soap on us. You see that? Oh, man, that feels good, right? 
Say, turn to your neighbor, you're smelling good. You're smelling good. You got the scripture on you, all right? All right, here we go. Here we go. We continue on in Matthew, and listen to what it says here. Matthew 4, 5 through 7, it says this. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. Oh, the devil's now quoting scripture. Did you know that? Did you know? <laughs> He's quoting scripture right here. He's pretty clever, that devil. He's a little tricky. Father of lies, right? There's a reason he's called that. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And so I want us to stop before we get to what Jesus says. I want us just to know that the great tempter, the evil one, Satan, he knows the Bible. And he knows how to take scripture and cherry pick scripture and throw it our way. And I don't know about you, but I feel like often the culture and the Christian subculture knows how to do that very same thing. They're like, oh, I like this verse. Boom. But what about all of scripture? What does the whole of scripture say? What does it tell us about who Jesus is and what he's come to do for us and the life that he is inviting us into. Don't just give me one verse without the whole of scripture. I want to understand the truth because in the truth, there's freedom, right? But again, he'll take these verses out of context, not looking at the whole of scripture, whole of scripture and throw them as grenades, right? But you know, I, I notice in our own lives, aren't we, tempted, aren't we tempted to do the very same thing as we look at the scripture? And we need to be very, very careful here. Because what I want us to do is I want us to be people who know the whole of scripture because all of scripture is actually telling us a great story and a great hero. And that great hero's name is Jesus. He has come. From Genesis to Revelation, it's telling us about his rescue mission and us joining him and seeing his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But we need to make sure we can understand what's counterfeit and what's truth. And the way you do that is not to study the lies, but to study the truth. And to look at the truth again and again and again and again and again. Because sometimes what it'll do is it'll take these scriptures or even these truths, and because they become half-truths, you'll start playing with your mind a bit. And we, we have to understand that as those mind tricks come, as those lies come, we're not victims, but victors in Jesus. And we do not have to succumb to those lies. This is what Jesus is modeling for us. In him and what he did for us, he shows us a way forward, right? He shows us a way forward. And listen to what he says. Jesus answered him, it is also written, Hey, I, I see that you're quoting this, this passage here. Let me tell you about this passage in Deuteronomy. I hear you quoting the Psalms. Let's go back to Deuteronomy here for a minute. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. It is also written. Oh man, and you're in the middle of the battle and you're in the middle of it and you're like, oh, I don't know what to do. One of the most powerful things that we can say on the tip of our tongues through our words is it is written. It is written. Say that with me again. It is written. And we say that in authority, 
based off who Jesus is and what the scriptures say, it is also written here. This is what it also says. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Do not put him to the test. And that brings us here. Temptation two, the pursuit of power apart from the source of power. And this was the temptation here in this, this battle here. He's saying, hey, listen, if you'll tap into this power source, if you do this, remember what it says in the Psalms, right? He's going he's gonna to send care for you. He won't let harm come your way. But Jesus again says, it is also written. It is also written. And so as we think about that, as we observe that, as we consider that and we apply it, where are you grasping for power instead of allowing power to be given to you by God? Where are you grasping for power right now? And I want to talk about this for a minute because I think some of us, we're grasping for power through trying to control things, things that are outside of our control. They're outside of our control. They're not in our purview. Some of us, what we're doing, instead of grasping for the power of what Jesus says of us and has for us, we're instead settling for a lesser power. We say things like this, who am I to do anything that God would have for me to do? We play it small, and we think that's powerful. No, it's not. That is not, that is not <laughs> the way of Jesus, because he's made a way. He has something for us, and we call it humility, and it looks all humble and nice, but another way to say that is it's false humility because we're just afraid. We're afraid to tap into the power he's bestowed upon us and what he has for our lives. He's, been, he's given this to us, so we need to walk in it. But where are you grasping for power instead of allowing power to be given to you by God? Where is that in your own life? Where, where is it that you're seeking to take authority that doesn't belong to you but belongs to him? And where are you maybe in your own life seeking to withdraw <laughs> from the thing he's asking you to step into? Where is that in your own life? Again, where are you grasping for power and instead of allowing power to be given to you by God? So for some of us, again, it's been given to us, but we're like, I don't want it. It's like a hot potato. Oh, you take it. You know, hey, ah, ah. <laughs> Are you, I, I don't know, I, I, you know who I am? I can't take, ah, no, no, no. Get, we give it off to somebody else instead of, no, 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 wait a minute. This is what he's entrusted to me. So as we think about this, I want us to be reminded that the tempter tempts us to put God to the test. He says, hey, there's boundary lines for your life and let's just play with it a little bit. Let's see if anything will happen, anything go wrong. Let's just, Let's just step outside just a little bit. Let's get on the edge here. You know, like, oh, it looks fun. You know, like, oh, they're doing it. They don't, they don't seem to be experiencing any consequences. But where in our life, maybe, are we missing out on the, the whole point of what, it, what he has for us, which is wisdom? He wants us to walk in the wisdom of his ways. Because, again, the tempter tempts us to put God to the test. And, and I want you to know, I want you to know, he's trustworthy. Our Heavenly Father's trustworthy towards us. And that doesn't mean we can't talk to him about the things that we're struggling with or the challenges or the desires of our heart. But what it means is we don't need to step outside of what his wisdom says for us. It's not often in life it's right or wrong. It's about wisdom. What's wisdom based on who he is and who I am 
and where he's trying to take me. What's wisdom say to me and for me? So as we think about that, I want you to consider the people in your life as we pray for them. I want you to think about how we could be praying for ourselves. Hey, what's the power that you've put in my hands? What's the power that you have asked me to steward well? And then where am I trying to gain control and authority to an area you're not asking me to gain authority and control over? But rather you're asking me to submit and come under. And then the people in your life as well. I want you to think about who they are. So we're going to actually pray again, all right? Because we're applying this. We're going to we're getting, we're getting suds, a lot of suds now, right? We're, we're using this soap here, okay? So we're going to take a moment to pray. So in the quiet of where you are, I want to invite you to pray. Father, right now, we just want to come before you. We want to acknowledge there are times where we're trying to take power versus understand that we're meant to receive power. Power ultimately comes from you. So I pray that we wouldn't reach for the things that you're not asking for us to reach for, but also that we would, in humble confidence, join you to the things that you asked us to steward. And then, Lord, I pray for the things outside of our control, whether it's a work situation, a health situation, whether it's a relational thing, that, Lord, we don't know what to do. Lord, I pray that we would deepen our trust in you. I pray that we would walk in the way of wisdom. And then, Lord, we want to pray for our friends and our family members who are maybe in the middle of trying to grasp for power or to run from the power that you have put in their hands. Lord, we pray that you would help them to submit as you, Jesus, submitted. But also, Jesus, what you did is you leaned into what, what was in your hands, what was asked of you. So I pray that you would give them courage and confidence in you and what you say of them and have for them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, well, as we continue on here, here's the last one. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Bow down and worship me. All this can be yours. Jesus said to him, and I want us to read his first part here before we get to what he, when he gets to four it is written. Ready? On three, one, two, three. Away from me, Satan. Ooh, come on now. Away from me, Satan. Away from me, Satan. You are not welcomed here. You are not wanted here. And I plead the blood of Jesus over our lives and that we would, in authority, do as Jesus did in his name because it's through him. We're not taking on the devil, the tempter, the liar in our own power, but it's through what he would do for us. He says again, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Again, he quotes scripture, Deuteronomy here again. And notice what happens. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. And what that signifies is that he was victorious. 
And this is a foreshadow of what he ultimately would do as he takes on our great enemy of sin and death and the devil through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. It's a foreshadowing of what will be ours and what is ours in Christ. But I want us to, again, not miss what's happening here. So that leads us to the final temptation that we see here. Making a name for yourself by displaying your fame instead of the fame of God and letting the name he has for you be enough. And I know in our our day and age, we we may not believe it, but there's a lot of fame chasing, platform building. I've got to become an influencer to be somebody. And the reality is in Jesus, we actually have all that we need to jump into and step into what he has for us so that we can be about his fame and his glory, not our own. And then we can step into and say with authority and great confidence, what you say of me is enough. It is more than enough. I don't need to pretend to be somebody that I'm not. I don't need to chase something. I don't need to make somebody else's ambition my ambition. I need to make you my ambition and what you have for my life. And so this is that temptation. Here's the next part of that. What fame chasing by making a name for yourself are you doing? And where are you forgetting the name your heavenly father has given you? Where is that in your own life right now? I want you to think about that. I want you to, to consider, what it, where does that happen for you? Where does that take shape in your own life? Fame chasing, making a name for yourself. Instead of stepping into what it is that he says of you and has for you. And we all do it. We all have things in our lives, whether we believe it or not, that we make our ambition that may not be an ambition that is of God. And this is not to say we shouldn't have ambition. It's all about intention, right? What's the intention of the ambition? Where is it directed to? Where is it pointed to? Is it about what he has for me and what he says of me? So again, I want us to be thinking about this. This is, again, our time to apply it. And here's the next part of that. As we think about what we've talked about, I want to remind us of the soap, right? Because this is what we want to do. I want you to use this or some other tool that you have this week to daily to get into Scripture, to daily get into Scripture. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. Some of you are like, man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know what that would look like. Start small. Just start with one verse. Start with one verse and and then work towards it. This is not about trying. This is about training. We're training ourselves in this area, as Richard Foster wisely said. And so as we train ourselves, we don't get to where we want to be overnight, but by daily, daily committing ourselves to this area, we, like Jesus, could have Scripture so in the depths of who we are that at any moment we could say, it is written. It is written. We could say that, and we could walk in that. So again, Scripture, observe, apply, pray. Let's say that out loud together. Scripture, observe, apply, pray. And I want to give you a specific thing that we're doing. If you're looking for a tool, we have a 40-day prayer and fasting guide that has Scripture in it, has a directive in it as far as observations that you could answer through that, and then a time of prayer. And so if you go to our website, it's right on the homepage, riverbendonline.org, as well as riverbendonline.org slash 40 days. What I don't want you to do is hear this today and say, 
wow, another message about get into the Bible, but I don't even know where to get started. No, <laughs> I don't want that for you. I want you to hear me concretely say, here it is. This is the opportunity. This is what he has for us. And so as we come to the end of our time in the message, I really want to invite the band to come up. And as they come up, they're going to lead us. And as they lead us, they're going to help us to, to really remember what it is that Jesus said as, as when he fought those temptations, as he fought those battles with the scripture. And as we hold on to that, what I want to do is I want to give us another moment of prayer here. And as we pray, I want us to just think about in our own lives, what fame chasing are we doing? Who do we know in our lives that, man, maybe they're, they're making something that is a lesser ambition instead of the intention of a holy, godly ambition of their lives. And, and ultimately, ultimately, the Lord knows the heart. But we, we want to be people who are prayerful in that. And so as we pray, I want you to think about that. And then I want you to think with me, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, to, to put your faith and your trust in him. To say, yes, Jesus, yes. Through your life, death, and burial, and resurrection, I say yes to you. Say yes to my need, that I have one. I'm spiritually dead, and I need spiritual life, and that's only found in you. So let, let's pray together. Jesus, right now, we thank you. We thank you that you model the way. Not only are you the way, the truth, and the life, you model the way to what it means to be fully human. And I thank you, Jesus, that you show us the power of things like baptism and knowing who we are, our identity, walking in that. Yeah, you show us the power of fasting and prayer to specifically have time to seek your face, to ask you to do the impossible, and to just enjoy you. And then you tell us and show us how important scripture is. It was always on the tip of your tongue. It was always on your lips. And you say, out of the overflow of our mouths, our hearts speak. So Lord, I pray, whatever we're meditating on, I pray that we would saturate ourselves in the scripture so that we could say with authority, it is written. It is written. And Lord, I pray that we would be able to combat lies, half-truths, temptations, even scriptures out of context that put forth the appearance of full life, but it's really not full life, but it's fact to live a life in prison apart from your ways. Lord, I just pray your spirit, Holy Spirit, you would fall on us afresh and anew this day through the finished work of Jesus, that we would say yes to you and to your ways and to what it is that you have. Lord, we want to build our lives on you. You are truly a firm foundation. And this week, I've been reminded again and again that a life apart from you is the sin of God. Leads to a foundation that is easily shaken and ultimately will be washed away. So whatever we're facing, whatever we're experiencing, whatever area in our lives that we're thinking through, I pray, Jesus, we would give you access and we would allow you to 
to deepen our faith and trust that we would say yes, that we would join you in this endeavor. I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody says amen.